The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. With betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, instant withdrawals, and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki have prominent betting pictures at race courses across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk. And now, get busy listening and get busy winning. Here's your host, Emmett Kennedy. And it's great to have your company as the Countdown to Europe's most prestigious race is well and truly on. And I'm delighted to say that a man who will be broadcasting on Sky Sports Racing live on Sunday afternoon as the entire card of Group 1s is brought to you by Sky Sports Racing is Mr. Laurent Babaran. Welcome back to the show, Laurent. Hello, Emmett. Hello, everyone. It is great to have your company, my friend. Long time no see. Um... Yes. Hopefully, you're not going to get absolutely drenched on Sunday, but what a place to be, uh, to actually get to be yeah. there uh, covering it on Sky. But that talk about the ground and the weather, we need to bring that up first of all. What is the current status at uh, Paris-Longchamp, and what is the ground looking like for Sunday? Well, the ground, um, yesterday there was a measure, yesterday on the ground, um, it was 3.8, very soft yesterday morning. We've had rain since, we've, we're going to have more rain uh from now until the arc, and uh, today there was some racing at uh, Auto where the ground was, they said, they call it very soft, but it was probably softer than very soft, and uh, so we saw that uh, there was a good cut in the ground at Chanty, so I would expect the ground to be probably at least very soft on Sunday. That's going to be very intriguing. I suspect that yes. William Haggis is most pleased with himself to have not uh, gone down the Bayid route with um, uh, with the arc for him. I would have loved to have seen Bayid in this race, but it Given yeah. the, the ground situation, it just it makes more sense. Um, the draw has been announced. So Mark and I are going to do a, a full preview on Friday as well. But uh, yeah. to, to get your own expert analysis on it is, is absolutely invaluable to us. Last year's winner, I, I used an interesting word before we, when we were off air. Uh, last year's yeah. winner has been done no favours by the draw, I would say. Or, or has he? Where do you want to be drawn for the arc itself? And what do you make of how it has panned out this year? Ideally, from 5 to 12, I would say, 4 to 12, maybe. That's the ideal place. Um, but then when you've got such a big field, um, yes, the outside is really a, it's a killer to be uh, drawn on the outside or, you know, install 20, 19, 18, 17. It just makes your, your, your task very, very difficult. I don't recall any winner from such a high draw number. So, you know, it's, it's a very, very difficult draw when you're on the outside on a 20 runners field. Okay, so the draw then has been very kind for Luxembourg, who comes out of stall yes. eight. Alpinista is going to come out of five. Um, Torquato as we mentioned, has been kind of, he's been screwed, was the word that I used. It wasn't as colourful yeah. as you might have expected from me, uh, but 18 is, is no good, baby. Basically, the Japanese champion, though, has been handed a decent draw in 10. Westover, the Irish Derby winner, in seven. And um, the Grand Prix de Paris winner, uh, Onesto, comes out of yes, stall 11. Onesto. So they have benefited then from how the draw has panned out. Yes, no, but it's good for the horses, the most in sight, like uh, Luxembourg, Alpinista, um, they are the you know the, the main ones at the moment at the top of the market. So the draw will definitely help. Uh, title holder, just a quick word because he's a front runner, and I know what sort of tactic he's going to use on Sunday. He's going to go in front fast and go as far as he can. Stall ten, it's okay. It's okay. There's not going to be anyone taking on him. I think uh, on his inside, uh, but 
just been look at a quick look at the, the runners on his inside. So that's fine. I like, you know, Vadeni is, is drawn in stall two, but he's got Soumillon. There's going to be an open stretch. Um, he was drawn in stall two when he won the Prix du Jockey Club at Chantilly. Uh, different track, but still, um, it's good to have a good draw at Chantilly. Um, that's, that's a good draw, but you know, when you're installed 20, like stay foolish, 19, Maros Trallis, uh, 18, well, it's going to be very tricky from this draw. Not impossible. There's nothing impossible, but very difficult. Yeah, you mentioned the Japanese runner. I've, I watched a few of his races again today. I have no idea what he's beating, but he's doing it very impressively. And I'm yeah. delighted that he's there. Um, I, <clears throat> I spoke with, um, Oshin Murphy. He's been doing a lot of the, the big racing breakdowns for us and we talked about deduce the japanese derby winner and in the build-up to the arc trials oshin was very excited by him i liked his performance in the prenatal i thought that once they rounded the final bend yutakitake really opened him up and he made up ground very quickly but then just emptied out and connections had warned beforehand that he was going to desperately need it oshin wasn't having it though he he just thought it was quite a, a lackluster display the 33s is a is a juicy carrot, though. Kaluki have suckered me in with that. The 33 to 1 with Kaluki right now, but the Japanese Derby winner, is is a price that I quite like. And uh, the closer we get to it, the more value I'm looking for. So I'll, what what do you make of him? I, I was, um, you know, I tipped him on his comeback run because I thought the ground would be, would be you know, not too soft and, and fine to him on the, in the Prignel. And I thought even if he was not fit, he'd be good enough to come on top. But he was beaten. He was beaten quite fine in the Prignel. He looked like a horse that ran out of juice, definitely. He was beaten four lengths by Sim Camille. Sim Camille was likely to turn up in the Japan Cup later on. But I was a little bit disappointing. I thought it was a lacklustre performance as uh, Oshin did. I was, you know... Uh, it was. I was expecting more from from him, even for a comeback run, even for for a, a build up. He's got he's got ten lengths to find if he wants to have a chance to be in in the frame in the arc. Maybe he'll find them. That's fine. He's, he's a Japanese Derby winner. You know they have to be good to win the Japanese Derby. They have to be serious horses. But uh, um, the extra cut in the ground is not going to help him. Yeah, that's another point. Is the the ground was soft at, at Paris Longchamp on Trials Day, and now it's going to be very soft. So that's that's not going to help. Um, right? Who is the the most enticing outsider for you? The most intact <laughs> outsider. Um, I'm looking at the horses who have proven form on on very soft, heavy conditions. Uh, the one that comes straight up to my mind is Sillyway. Uh, it may sound a, a bit of a funny. Um, Bet here this time, I think, as an outsider, uh, considering the way he ran on heavy last year on his comeback run in the arc, he was fifth and went on to went on to win the Champions League. That was very good. His first two run of the year at uh, Longchamp, when he was second to Scaletti, he was in, a neck in front of Mario Stralis. He was then third to State of Rest. They were good, solid performance on the ground that was probably not soft enough. To, to have um, to see the best of him. Um, he was disappointing in the pre and he probably ran a better race than it looks at the end in La Coupe de Maison Lafitte early September on his comeback run. If if there is a serious cut in the ground like we expect it to be, um, he's a horse that could cause a bit of an upset. I'm not saying he's going to win, but he could run into the places at a big price. Okay, well, he's 33s with Kaluki right now. That's fine. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I like like I still have very fond memories of his Champions Day win. Uh, so yeah. I, I I would be forgiving of him. I mean, he's a horse who's gone through a little bit of issues and behind yeah. the scenes as well, having to be 
transferred from trainers and all that for, yeah. for that controversy. So that's a, a strong one for the, for the home crowd. Um, and as you said, more of an each way selection. So who is that's the it. most likely winner then? Uh, <laughs> the most likely winner. I've been scratching my head for uh, days and days. And then the draw today uh, probably gave me a bit of help, but you know, even a couple of hours ago, I was still struggling to come up with one pick. You know, I'm going in a very shy way for Vadeni. Um, I just, you know, would not worry about the way he ran at, uh, at Leopardon. First, he was not beaten far behind uh, Luxembourg and Honesto. But I just keep in mind his remarkable, and it was an absolutely remarkable performance when he won the Prix du Jockey Club. Runaway winner, um, smashed his rivals, and you know, the form of the race has since worked out pretty well. So um, I can easily forgive him the run in the Irish Champions League where Jean-Claude Rouget and Christophe Soumillon admitted that uh, he was not fit. He's well drawn. Big question mark about the stamina. Um, question mark, like all the three all in the race, question mark about his ability to handle the very soft conditions. Uh, but that puts him on the same line as the other. But he's well drawn, open stretch, top jockey on board. Well, there's other top jockeys in the race, but, uh, you know, if he could be in the form he was at the time of the Prix du Jockey Club, Jesus, that turn of foot was something magic that day. He even surprised Jean-Claude Rouget. So uh, they did not expect him to win the way he won. They thought he had a winning chance, but um, he, he, he was just incredible that day. Yeah, that was breathtaking. And I would take a better view of his Irish Champions Stakes run as well. Um, yeah for all that I'm a massive Luxembourg fan. And um, that's another reason why I don't mind the Haggis decision not to send Baid there because it's just one less obstacle, gigantic obstacle to yeah. overcome. The thing about no, Luxembourg, no. For, for all that I really like him, is yeah. he, and I think I was quite bullish about him when we spoke last time with, with Mark about him on, on Monday, um, that was a huge run in the Irish Champion Stakes. And it was uh, his second big run after quite a lengthy layoff. Um, yeah. That's a slight concern for me. Although Aidan O'Brien had this roadmap planned out, it was to go for the Royal yeah. It was the High Chaparral route. Go for the Royal Whip, then the Irish Champion Stakes, then come to the Arc. This has always been the plan. Uh, and just on a very interesting side note, I'm certain, I'm certain that I read somewhere or it was said to me that Luxembourg was staying in training as a four-year-old. But when I said that to Aidan O'Brien a couple of weeks ago, it was Irish Champions Weekend, in fact, he said... Oh, uh, no, well, well, nothing's been decided. And I, you know, it was almost making me think, you know you're going to win the Irish Champion Stakes and you really fancy your chances in the arc. And if he wins both of those, there's the latest superstar to be packed off to stud. For all that, I would love to see him come back as a four-year-old. The fact that he yeah. was so hesitant to go, oh, yeah, we're excited to have him back. He was like, no, nothing's been decided. If you win the, if you, you've already won the Irish Champion Stakes, if you win the arc, he does go to stud. That's, that's just the commercial yeah. way of life in yeah. racing. And maybe I'm really reaching there. Maybe I'm like the fat guy in the milkshake store clutching at straws. But it was just the, the way he said it made me think, oh, you you really think he's going to win the Irish champion and you think he's going to win this. Um, and, and he was brilliant there. But Fideni doesn't have an awful lot of ground to make up on him. No, no, no. Assuming the, that also he was, he was not 100% that day. Um, they all agreed about that. And, and Soumillon since then uh, said that um, he's, he's in better shape now. So he's got just a, you know, a couple of lengths to find. It's still a, a big deal. But, you know, to be honest, all afternoon, I was very hesitant between Luxembourg and, and Vadeni. 
and even title holder. That was in between those three horses. I was very hesitant as my main, main horse. Luxembourg, you watch him gallop, you know, in the back straight at uh, Leo Parson. He's got a beautiful stride on him. There's just one thing, Emmett, w- one thing that bothers me a little bit, but it doesn't stop him from winning, is his head carriage. Mm. And when he finishes his races, you know, he still moves forward, but, you know, sometimes he's got a, a funny head carriage. And, um, you know, the extra trip, the... Um, deep ground on Sunday. Um, is there a bit of um, an attitude or temperament in there? I don't know, but, you know, just even when he won at Doncaster last year, the, the group one, the Burton Futurity, um, you know, um, Ryan Moore had to give him a, a little uh, whack with the whip to make sure he would, he would continue and, and keep going. But he's, you know, he seems to be a, a special horse, a very special horse. I don't know. It, it's very tricky, very tricky, but he's, he's a lovely horse, obviously. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've been burnt here before because I had him at 20s for the Derby, and we know how that panned out. Uh, so now I'm, I'm sitting on 12s and 10s for the arc. So I'm almost going like, he's going to get beaten a short head, isn't he? Or he's going to get checked in traffic and, and <laughs> done, uh, done a short head. Um, but I, I really like him, and I really like his, his prospects. Yeah. The thing is that we're up two furlongs, and Vidani's double the price. Like he's seven to two with Kaluki, Vidani's sevens. So yeah. I, I can see it with Vidani. I can completely see it. I definitely see it with Luxembourg, but I can see it with him as well. It would also be one in the eye for those who've been saying, ah, oh, these three-year-olds are rubbish. These three-year-olds are rubbish. If there's a one-two for the three-year-old division, maybe a one-two-three um, with, with the deuce, that, that would be one in the eye for or Ernesto. Uh, that would be certainly one yeah. in the eye. Th- there's another one. Um, so the Grand Prix de Paris winner, uh, yeah. in Ernesto, he would obviously have ground to make up in Videni through the Chanty running of the French Derby, but on a line through Luxembourg in the Irish champion, that was a mighty run, uh, and up two furlongs, we know he's going to suit him. That's it. We we, we know he stays the trip. Um, he's got that, um, you know, he, he, he's got the attitude, the turn of foot, um, the way of galloping that fits well for Longchamp. He showed that in the, in the Grand Prix de Paris. The form of the Grand Prix de Paris has also worked out very well. We've seen Camille winning uh, Daniel and, and um, James Ferguson's horses running very well afterwards. So it's he's, he's a nice horse, Honesto. Um, I heard this morning that he will probably stay in training as a four-year-old, um, even if he wins the arc, <laughs> I guess. But um, we, we'll see. He's a class horse. Uh, as well, he's a complete Paris winner. He's drawn in stall eleven, which is not a, an issue. Um, jockey on board, Stefan Pasquier knows his way around. His horse, once again, the question mark is going to be: Is he going to take well to the very soft conditions? He's got the turn of foot that might just be a little bit, you know, diminished by by a very wet condition. That's the thing with these uh, horses who have a, a great turn of foot. That's you know the deep ground just take the edge of, of these horses. So uh, we'll see, but. Once again, difficult to consider the race without Ernesto uh, being in the first four or the first five. Yeah. Let me get your one, two, three for the 2022 arc. Um, I'm going to say Vadeni. Um, <laughs> we need to be a little bit... Um, um, silly way will come in third. And um, I think I think I was... Very hesitant for a long time with uh, Luxembourg. So it has to be Luxembourg, Vadeni, Luxembourg, and, and Sidiway. I can see an older horse with proven form on, on deep ground coming in and make a bit of trouble here at the finish at a big price. Luxembourg, Sidiway, Ernesto. That's who I'll go for. So you've got your combination 
forecast and tricast there. You've got four horses. Yeah. I'd even throw in deduce if you really want to go for the, the big American style trifecta and try and shoot the lights out. Um, but that's how we're going to play uh, the arc. Subject to change by the time I'm done uh, on air on TalkSport tomorrow and then we're recording the, the, the next preview with Mark. Maybe something will have emerged. Just don't miss the race, Luxembourg. Don't get there. Get there, my son. Um, speaking of missing the race, the uh, trainer, Francois, uh, Francois Gavard, is, is not happy at all with the decision that very elegant has been balloted out of the arc. Can you explain exactly what's happened here? So this is the, the Melbourne Cup winner, misses the big race he's going to line up she's going to line up on saturday instead but why can she not run in the arc itself okay um they've put a limit of 20 horses in the arc the reason is for the arc's going to be a, a, a the main race of the day and it's um going to be the support of the what we call the county race which is a national bet which which is you know the biggest turnover on, on a race day, people bet on the Quinte race where you have to find the first five in the right order or in the wrong order, whatever. But it's, 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 it's a, a national bet, very popular. And whenever it, it is, normally it's with handicaps, whether it's over jumps or on the flat, on a daily basis, every day it's running handicaps, okay? Uh, with big number of runners all the time from 16 to 20. Uh, except for the big days, they, when they can pick up a, a real big race, they just found out, well, they found out a few years ago that the better the quality of the horses, uh, the more turnover there is. And a race in the arc, a county in the arc with 20 runners is going to generate a massive turnover. So that's the economic uh, view on that. That's why uh, the system cannot take more than 20 run- <coughs> runners sorry, at the PMU for this uh, specific bet. So they have to put a limit of 20 runners. Okay. Um, now the Philly, why she did not get in the 20? Because in her last two run, well, uh, two runs in front so far, she went down seven pounds on the handicap. The handicaps is not given only by the, the French handicapper. There is a panel of 21 handicapper around the world in the major racing uh, jurisdiction. You know, England, Ireland, Canada, America, whatever. Um, and, and they gather every so often uh, to talk about the main horses. And they all agreed, all agreed. So it's not one French handicapper who made the decision. They all agreed that, you know, she would be taken down so much after two runs in France. Um, then, you know, the system for the 20 best horses in the race in the arc is the 20 best handicap horse in the race. And just a handicap mark was just not good enough. Which is an absolute disgrace when you look at when you look at it from a sporting point of view, because not only very elegant, but La Parisienne was the best three-year-old filly in France, and I thought she would have serious chance in the arc. She was my each way bet in the arc uh, um, if she had been, you know, allowed in the race. Uh, but these two uh, remarkable females uh, can't run the race, so it's it's ridiculous. We've had bigger field in the past. 21, 22, 24, 25 runners, even more if you go back uh, in the years. Uh, but I think they gave up the priority to the economic, um, um, the economic view over the sporting view, which is a, in my, in my own view, it's, it's a disgrace because this is going to damage a lot, uh, the image of a French racing. Is that clear? Oh, that's very clear and, and very elegantly put as well. I think the not to, using too much of a pun, by the way, apologies, but very elegantly said. I, I get why he's come out so strongly and said that he's ashamed of French yeah. racing 
Um, Shameless. Yeah, and look, he's he's clearly infuriated by this. We constantly on the show bash the Aussies because it's fun to do that. Uh, yeah. Most notably, the fact that our middle distance horses go down to Australia and absolutely wipe the floor with them. So how refreshing is it then that Australians decide to take a New Zealand bred horse who's a nine-time Group 1 winner in Australia, move her to France specifically with the aim of running in the arc, give her two prep runs, where Francois Gaffin had sent out the warning signals. Like, she was underwhelming in both of her starts this season, but he had said she was going to need those. She's acclimatizing... She's racing in the Northern Hemisphere, so she's acclimatizing to that. She's getting used to her new yard. Everyone's speaking a different language. Uh, so she was getting used to, to a new life. And exactly. this was the whole point, was that she was going to get here. And it's not just her, as you mentioned. It's also the, the star uh, filly that you talked about as well, the, the French Oaks heroine. Uh, so this is, it's odd. It's very, very odd. Uh, the line from the French handicapper was, even when she won a Group 1 at Randwick in February, she did not post a rating higher than we have her at now with any of the international handicappers. That's it. <laughs> That's it. You've got the explanation. Anyway, you know, whoever else wanted to fight against a handicapper has lost. That's the story of racing. Um, they're always right. We're always wrong um, on, the, on the horse side anyway. So, uh, but the story, uh, the worst story is that, you know, it's been very difficult for Francis Graffard to get the whole thing rolling with the owners to get them, um, you know, the the owner's license in France, it took, you know, a long time. It was a slow process. It's still difficult uh, for some people, um, you know, to be accepted in, um, in in French racing, you know, to register as an owner, to do this and that. So he was very upset because I think he put so much effort in, in, in the whole process, trying to advertise as well, you know, trying to put France more on the international map and, and so on, and himself at the same time, which was very important. Uh, I think he was absolutely, um, yeah, he was he was gutted. You, you could feel in his comment, and and I can understand him. Um, you know, he's a good man with the press. Francis Graffard always yeah. open to talk, open. You know, he likes to open his yard to whoever is new in racing or s- celebrities or whatever. And he was not uh, rewarded here with um, with the filly. But um, as I said, it was a pri- the priority was given to the uh, to the economic. Uh, uh, side of the of the race and 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 not the sporting side. Very sad. It, very sad in my view. Very very sad. Yeah. Terrible move from Galo. I, I agree, and particularly when you explain just how difficult it's been for the owners even to get registered in France. Like, surely you're welcoming more people coming in, particularly with a high profile uh, horse from down under. Like you're bringing a Melbourne Cup. How many times is it that we go down there to win and then our horses come back? It's not that they come up here. It's yeah. It's extraordinary. So you'd like you'd like to think that it would be accommodated, and if they decide to do this again with another horse, do they now send this horse to Ireland? Do they send the horse to England instead? Yeah. Do they decide to do it that way and not go back to France? Um, they've tried to give her every opportunity to get to France by putting her with a French trainer. So yeah. it's it's dis- won't go back to France. Yeah, they I- won't go back to France. Same owners would not go back to France, and that's fair enough. And next time there's an Australian horse like this, Emmet, in my view. You go either to Ireland or England, definitely. Yeah, so and that's nobody to blame but the French authorities, and that's very, very frustrating for, for Francois Gafford and everybody involved. Uh, this being said, that you have gone through Saturday's card in detail, so she's going to line up in the one mile six group one. Is this the case now that the French handicapper is just desperately hoping, please get beaten, please get beaten, uh, and and is she going to be able to just roll over this lot, or with the likes of Cilarossa in there, 
is she going to come on stock? Um, I, if she's going to be on my column, I, I keep her very elegant because what I like in her last race, it's the massive improvement between her comeback run at uh, Deauville and this race in the Prefois, which was in, you know, there was no flash. It was not sparkling or anything, but there was a massive improvement. And it was a, a, a nice way to build up to something bigger afterwards. And when you think Francis Graffard was keen to go for the R because I, he thought she would run a, a real good race. Um, the Prix de Royalieu on Saturday is obviously, uh, you know, much easier in terms of uh, of uh, level than than the arc would be. The the mayor has to have a, a proper chance. Um, she's going to get a, a soft ground. She she likes it. She's got no problem. Um, she'd be fitter. There's only ten runners. Um, she's the highest rated horse in the race now by <laughs> by a clear margin over Sila uh, Rosa and over Emily Dickinson. And I think she's going to prove too strong for the others. Because there was so much progress in her in her second run, um, I think there is more to come. She's been even better in training, Francis Graffarsen, and it was all very positive uh, going into the arc. So she should be able to win this race. I, th- I think she'll win. Okay. Um, you'd be disappointed if she doesn't, and you'd be yes. disappointed for her connections, really, more than anything at, th- at this point. Uh, the... The day kicks off the twelve twenty three with a group two over a mile and seven. Duke de Sessa was back in the winner's enclosure at Leopardstown in an epic finish uh, where he got the better of Thunderkiss. Christophe Sumion uh, takes over with uh, Chris Hayes not involved. Um, Dermot World's going to have a busy day. Homeless Songs is going to be in action on the Saturday as well in group one company. How do you see Duke de Sessa performing here? And is, is he the one this centres around? He certainly, um, he certainly has a a massive chance. Um, he was a nice winner of Leopard Stone, up in trip this time. Um, he handled well the soft ground at Leopard Stone. It's going to be a different soft here at um, in France. Um, up in distance, three furlongs. He seems a nice horse, Emmett, but I'm, I'm taking on him with one of my selection in the race. And who is that? It's uh, Jean-Claude Rouges Philly, La Mehana, uh, daughter of Al she, she comes in the race on the back of three consecutive success. Um, maiden, class two, and then listed race last time, but um, over 14 furlong at Deauville. Um, she, she won very easily. Um, she's a nice filly with a beautiful turn of foot for, she's turning into a proper stayer now, but she beat Sober within the race uh, on Saturday. Sober, nice, you know, useful performer, trained by André Fab, more than useful but she just beat him by two and a half lengths and very easily. Um, she hasn't stopped improving this year in four starts. Hasn't stopped improving. Um, seems to have a, a lot of class. She was left for a long time in the Prix de Royalieu. In the Prix de Royalieu, yes, sorry, the group one. But he will have to beat if he wants to win. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, the 250, we see the eagerly awaited return of Denmark for Aidan O'Brien in the conditions race for two-year-olds. Uh, he made a very striking impression on his debut now two months ago uh, at Nace. So he's been off the track for 61 days. Uh, I asked Aidan O'Brien about him when we were doing the Irish Champions Weekend preview and I, I think he actually mooted a, a trip to France was on the cards for him. I'm a little bit surprised this is the race they're going for with him. Uh, but up to a mile, he's a very exciting prospect. He has to go and do it. And this is going to be... We talked briefly about the two-year-olds beforehand before we, we came on air and weren't exactly enthusiastic about some of them. Um, so is this presenting a really nice opportunity for Denmark uh, to make it two from two? 
Yes, this is this is the um, this is the race, um, the valuable race, the Arkansas race. Um, it's um, you know it's it's not a very strong race in terms of, of the French runners. Uh, some have shown you know ability or little bit of ability, but there's nothing outstanding. You know these races they are very valuable. You think um, you'd have to go in with the top classers, but you don't necessarily need top classers to go and win this race. I, for me, it's very difficult to assess Denmark uh, at this stage. You have to think it's Aidan O'Brien, Ryan Moore, so has to be given a lot of uh, consideration. Well-drawn, well-drawn in stall four, which is very important at Longchamp over a mile. That's a big plus. He's got probably the best French chance on his inside with Suzak, who is drawn in stall number one. Uh, that's one we'll have to pay attention to, this uh, Suzak. Other than that, the other French, um, you know, it, it, it's a mixed bag of horses that have been place there are a few winners um it's the sort of very tricky race but if you come with a half decent horse uh, you should be able to win that okay nice a uh, bit of placing so for denmark who cost yeah four hundred and forty thousand at the arcana sales and uh, this might go oh, some way to, to restoring that, that cash um then we get to see the best fare in the business particularly now with stradivarius retired but even in his own right he's been flawless this season and has taken all of the big uh, staying prizes the gold cup the yeah. Goodwood Cup and, of course, the Irish St. Ledger last time out, and that is in the Puy de Caterin Kiprios. Uh, is there anything that can lay a glove on him here? Not not on the French side, I don't think so. There's nothing on the French side that would match the bit of form that he's got, you know, coming into the race. It's a, it's, it's a very impressive CV that he's got. Um, winning the uh, the St. Ledger last time at the Curra, winning at Goodwood, you know, can handle any sort of track can go on basically any ground. I don't think the extra cut in the ground is going to be an issue because he won on very soft at the Curra. So, you know, what's going to stop him? I can't see anything. He stays the trip, one at Ascot, beating Stradivarius. I mean, he's, he's the standout in the race. Yeah, there's, there's just not really anything to touch him. It's a little bit disappointing that we don't have Trushan to line up in here, but things didn't yeah. exactly go to plan for Trushan last time out. So... I, I get the impression with Kiprios, and I've had this impression since the Gold Cup win, that he'll just keep pulling out more if needed. And even in the Irish St. Ledger, I just thought he was being a little bit lazy. Aidan mm-hmm. O'Brien has always said that about him, that he's a very smart horse. He keeps back a little bit for himself. Um, he's the king. You know, he's the staying champion. And if he gets a bloody nose on Sunday, it's not going to take away from his season, but I suspect he'll win it. Um, and um, what a superstar he is. Uh, the Qatar pre-dollar, over 10 furlongs, uh, really interesting race over the years. What yeah. about this year's renewal, though, my friend? Tricky affair. Very tricky affair. Um, Botanic, uh, the gelding tried by André Fabre. Um, he won the Grand Prix d'Auville last time out over an extended mile and a half. So uh, he takes a significant drop in distance here. Um, he's going to love the ground. The softer it gets, the better it is for him. Uh, just one thing about Botanic, after the Grand Prix de Ville, André Fab said he, he would be his horse for the Breeders' Cup turf. So, you know, just reading André Fab's words, um, if he's a Breeders' Cup turf horse, he should be able to win a race like this one. He should be able, in theory, to win this sort of race. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, there's some nice horses in this contest. Some are, you know, in terms of rating, they are rated higher than Botanic, like Adeb, Gross Jack, or Junko, they're all one pound higher than Botanic, but, you know, if he's to go for the Breeders' Cup turf uh, after this race, he has to be able to win. Um, I find it a very tricky race. 
l'assaut pour Jean-Claude Rouget. It's a very interesting pre-hold. And Peter Shilgan's got a nice feeling there that only had one run this year, Noble ID. She was third in German Oaks last year, but uh, she's got an engine. She only ran once this year, the end of August, and she bolted up at Baden-Baden. Could be, could be a nice outsider. But for me, I'll go, you know, the way of botanic, but, but, but little question mark. I, I'm, you know, I follow Andre Fab and I trust Andre Fab on this one. Yeah, uh, I think when you're making claims about the Breeders' Cup with your horse and saying that's who, you, who your Breeders' Cup turf horse is going to be, then you should be able to go and, and get this done. Um, uh, Cyrus Tazongos took three of these races in four years, so it's it's been a, an important race over the years. Um, we see the Milers in action in the Qatar pre-Daniel Wildenstein, the Group 2. Uh, yes. This is a this is a tricky one as well, uh, although Jean-Claude Rougier and Christophe Sumion team up with Oversu was only half a length yes. off in spiral last time out. Is he the one they have to beat? Yes, definitely. Uh, once again, the ground resource, um, he won his only start as a two-year-old at Deauville on very heavy. He won very nicely. Uh, I mean, he was very impressive. Only won by three-quarter of a length, but, you know, came from the rear and, and just and just uh, won very impressively. Um, Jean-Claude Roger always thought he was at least as good as Vadeni. Always mm. said that. He went in the prix Jacques Lemarois only you know, after three starts unbeaten in three starts, and he was not beaten far by Inspiral and Light Infantry. There was a, a neck and a neck. Is uh, is the class act in the race? Um, I asked Christophe Tumion this morning on, on the channel uh, who was his best chance of the weekend, and I was glad he answered Erevan because that's what I think too. Um, he's, he's a super horse. Erevan has nap material written all over him, so in the 4.35. Uh, the danger may come from the UK, and that's Kevin Ryan's triple time. I'm very intrigued to see this horse back. Uh, we put him up in the show when he ran at Haydock on his comeback. Kevin Ryan thinks the world of this fella. Um, he has to step up on, on what he's done, but that was a, a pleasing comeback. Any freshness will have been knocked out of him. The only slight negative is, does he bounce? Um, but if you're getting a reasonable price about triple time, and I suspect you won't, to be honest, uh, then he could be an alternative, but Ervan's a very, very exciting prospect. Um, anything else then to mention for the supporting races on Sunday, where it's all Group Ones all day long? Uh, anything else that you're really looking forward to seeing? Well, I'm, I'm very, um, you know, very excited about uh, La Parisienne, this uh, filly that was second to Nashua in the Prix de Diane, the French Oaks in June. Uh, the, her aim since that, since the Prix de, de Diane was. Um, uh, was the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe. She did not get into the race. I think she's underrated in the handicaps. I thought she should have won the Prix Vermeil last, last time out. Um, it was probably not the strongest race, the Prix Vermeil, but still, uh, she got stuck a little bit on the rail and it took a while for Gérald Mosset to get her out. I think um, La Parisienne, if she has improved a little bit on that run at, uh, at Longchamp uh, three weeks ago, she can reverse the form with Nashua. I thought Nashua would be the nap of the Sunday for me, thinking that La Parisienne would go in the arc. Uh, but I think La Parisienne um, will look at the draw before the race and all the different details. But I think if you look again at the Pridian, it's it's just a pity that um, she got going a little bit too late. Um, another 50 years, she would have been in front, but we don't rerun races. But I think she would be the, she's the one for the Prix de l'Opéra. Yeah, Nashua um, is, of course, the, the French Oaks owner, but La Parisienne is, is going to be your pick here in the 350. And it's 
worth mentioning again, a little bit like Very Elegant, this was the target. They wanted to go for the arc and they've ended up having to go here instead, whereas Nashua was always going to come for this race. Um, don't know if Joseph O'Brien has decided that Above the Curve is going, but it would be really interesting to see her. She was really good on Irish Champions Weekend, having been off the track since the 29th of May, since a Group 1 uh, victory in France as well in the uh, St. Mark's Basilica, Coolmore, pre saint Um But even on that form, and even Tuesday, would need to step up um, and La Parisienne, I think, should offer a bit more value on this side um, of the water of, of the RSC. I think we'll get a little bit more value on La Parisienne here. Um, so that's that's going to be fascinating. Anything else to mention? Um, we'll, um, we'll obviously keep an eye on, on the two-year-old in the pre-Marcel Boussac. We'll see um, the French filly, the, uh, the filly trained by Carlos Lafon-Parias. Um, she's been impressive so far in two starts. Two start, the Franco filly, she's called Kelina. Um, just you know, one first time out at uh, Deauville early August, one again at Chantilly next time out. So two from two stepping in, in Group One company will be, you know, we'll see how good she is. She could be a, a, a serious one anyway. She's very well regarded by Carlos Lafompayas. Kelina, that's in the pre Marcel Boussac. I'm just looking at uh, the other races here. Um, rapidly, there is the Prix de la Baie de Longchamp. And as long as we don't have the draws, it's impossible to have a, a view on this race. Yeah. And even when you have the, the draw, I don't think I will have any view because it's such a tricky race every year. It's it's very difficult. Um, and then there is the Prix de la Forêt. A small field this year for the Prix de la Forêt. Um, King Rose. King Rose, very interesting. That's the obvious one. Um, Fong has been supplemented into the race by Jean-Claude Roger. Surprising horse. He was racing a claimer at the end of last year, won a claimer at the Compiègne at the, end, at the end of last year, and just was very impressive last time in the group three when he won over the course and distance. Um, he was, he was impressive, very impressive. He's been supplemented into the race, but I think, I think King Ross is going to be the one to, to beat in this race. Yeah, he's gone on a bit of a roll, Kinross. Uh, his yeah. last two has been very, very impressive. I really like Tenebrism. I like the fact that she's going to be getting all of the allowances as well. And of course, she's already a winner in France. This trip just seems ideal for her. Um, they thought she was going to run a massive race in the Matron. She did. She was no match for, for Pearls Galore, but uh, she did manage to finish in front of Homeless Songs. And um, Dumber yeah. World is making big yeah. noises about her for the weekend. So I think Tenebrism is going to run a big race there. And the one I, I bro- briefly spoke to you about off-air, uh, I'm a little bit puzzled. If you if you gave me five guesses, I don't think I would have said Aidan O'Brien's runner in the Qatar pre Jean-Luc Lagardère would be the Antarctic. But there we go. Patasha's brother is going to step up to seven furlongs, uh, and his form certainly merits his uh, his opportunity here. He doesn't have Blackbeard to give him a bloody nose again. No. And the, the most important point to make here is that your assessment of the French two-year-olds. Uh, certainly the Colts is just they're not very good. At the moment, uh, at the moment, we've seen one train by Jean-Claude Rouget called Kubrick. I think he's running in a group one at Saint-Cloud later on this uh, early November, is it? Um, but other than that, the court, it's been, yes, uh, very much disappointing so far. Uh, there is one filly, one French filly in the race. That could be the, the, the treat for, for the Antarctic. Well, I hope she could be anyway. Um, this is Tigre, a daughter of Oates Tree. Tree mm. uh, runs. She was in place first time out, then broke a maiden at Deauville early August, and then she won over the course and distance. Um, the fair price for this one, a group three, uh, early September. But still, still, she has to improve on that run again to, to beat the Antarctic. 
Um, I don't know, between Chartash and uh, the Antarctic, they both come from Ireland, so you, you give me the answer, um, Emmet, because I can't pick in between the two. There's also pivotal trigger, trigger that could be interesting, um, but I think it's three Irish against five French, and it looks very much in the favour of the Irish, this one. Yeah, I think the Antarctic will come out on top. I'm very intrigued in, yeah. in Chartash, and that was a, a really good run the last day. It, it did little Big Bear's form. Uh, no harm at all. He's only a length and three quarters off winning a Group 1, but the Antarctic just keeps coming forward, and it's very interesting that Aidan O'Brien has decided to unleash him because it's not like they're stuck for two-year-old talents at Bally Doyle, and yet it's the Antarctic is the one they've nominated to go. So trust the man uh, and go with the Antarctic. Who is your nap for the ARC weekend, Lauren Babaran? It's uh, Erevan in the Prix Daniel Winnenstein on Saturday. Let's go! Uh, listen, I really appreciate you joining us. It's so great to get your company on the show again, uh, Laurent. We can see you on Sky Sports Racing, every race live on Sky on, on Sunday, and of course your excellent articles on attheraces.com as well. Laurent Babaran, really appreciate your company. Enjoy Sunday. Will do. Thanks, Emmet. Thanks. Laurent Babaran from Sky Sports Racing and indeed from At The Races as well. A pleasure as always to talk to the great Frenchman. And we are back tomorrow as we give you our final analysis for ARC Weekend. Mark Milligan will be here. We'll be looking at the Sun Chariot at Newmarket as well. Hopefully you can join us for that. If you haven't listened to our second Jumps preview with Paul Ferguson yet, get on it now. It's available on all podcast apps. This one, whichever ones you want to jump to, Apple, Spotify, tune in and... Uh, leave a five-star rating on whichever podcast app it is you're listening to us on for free don't charge anything we don't want to do that kind of stuff but five-star rating helps the algorithm and all that malarkey and uh, we really appreciate you being part of the team enjoy it be safe be well god bless the final furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by our official betting partner kaluki sportsbook with betting on all sports immediate interaction with experienced traders instant withdrawals, and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki have prominent betting pitches at race courses across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk.